We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. What is going on inside the NBA? I, I don't watch, actually. It seems funny, but I don't watch. Unfortunately, I'm watching the fucking Giants. Oh, uh, the worst team in baseball? They're awful. They're you just see, the worst. You see Bisbee's article today? No, I didn't. What do you the, write? The headline and like the basis for it was amazing. Um, the last three months are three of like the seven worst months in the history of the Giants franchise, hitting wise. Like just statistically since nineteen oh eight. The three Jesus of their God. worst seven months are the last three months. <laughs> And it's like, oh my God. it's like, we're aware that they're not a, a juggernaut team, but that's, that that's bad? just impressive. <laughs> I mean, I mean, before they won the world series, they had some really bad offensive teams, like good pitching, like, you know, Oh, you're not a giants fan, but you still probably know like, Oh, eight, uh, 2007, 2008, 2009. Like they sure. were good pitching, but like to the end, but these three months were the some of the dude. You'll you'll enjoy the. I don't even know why I watch it. I don't know, man. Uh, baseball is kind of soothing background noise. You know, like it, you, don't you feel comfortable? Yeah, no, that it's kind of like if I want to go to sleep, I just leave it on. And like they got good announcers. Like I don't get mad about Kook and Kite. Where like if I have to listen to Fitz for like an hour, dude, I lose my shit. Um, so I'm trying good. to think, Dude. like, what would what would it be like if fits the Giants games? Oh, God. Dude, like <laughs> he'd find a way to whine about every pitch. That's hey. By the way, I was uh, the I strike was zone the says it's knees to this. How <laughs> how is that not a strike? Like, can you imagine that? Dude? Just doing that for 162 games. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, not not to say that Kuk and Kike aren't homers, though. They're homers. I mean, I mean these every, guys. Base, baseball announcers have to be homers. Like they're they're literally with the team half of the year. 
<laughs> Every day. But dude, I was listening to uh, Tim Roy and Jim Barnett on the radio uh, for the first quarter. Those guys are good together. I-, I guess Tim Roy wouldn't do TV, though, huh? But those guys are good. Like, they were arguing, but, like, they weren't, like, whining. They were I- – Jim Barnett was kind of going at the Warriors. Like, dude, what kind of stupid-ass pass is this? I think it was game one. They're like, yeah. these turnovers are well, awful, game... like, stuff like that. Yeah, it was definitely game one because I watched game two with you. So <laughs> I know you weren't li- – I mean, I don't. I didn't think you were, like, <laughs> the guy right. with uh, – I didn't think you were the guy with, like, the uh, the headphones. Do you remember that? That used to be a thing where you have someone sitting in the stands, yes. but they have the headphones on listening to the radio. Yes, I can never figure out – are we recording? Or are we not, yeah, not yeah, recording? we are. <laughs> I, I can never figure out – you get that in baseball. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It might be just because baseball is slower. Like I can't imagine basketball play-by-play being five seconds delayed and you're watching it live. Like you see KD hit a three and then like oh, the yeah. next – and then like 1,001, 1,002, and KD puts up the shot. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you – well, remember when you go to baseball games, do you have people have like that little – they like chart the game themselves. I didn't know what that was about either. So that that was another thing I didn't get. Like, why are you? Things. Yeah. Actually, the funny <laughs> thing is, you go to Giants game. It's like a lot of old Asian men who do that. Too. <laughs> so, I think it's just an old. I think it's just a um, baby boomer just thing. Still do that. Just yeah. the old do thing, dude. It was. I can't believe I forgot. It was a long night, man. We watched the game together, game two. Even though, I guess we could talk about it now. Yeah, we, let's get into we it. Were... Let's let's hit the music, man. Well, actually, I think we need to start with how lame the Rockets are. <laughs> Where do we start with how lame the Rockets are? We didn't. Man. We didn't pod like, after they released the reports, but we can't just pretend that didn't happen. Really, do you want to give context on the reports? I guess everybody who listens to this knows. Well, no, but... you, you can give the so after game one, the Rockets release. A very or they they leak a very favorable memo to Sam Amick, who's uh, very good, um, saying how they charted that last year they got screwed out of the finals to the tune of ninety three points. They would have won the finals if the refs called it straight. They petitioned that the officials give younger refs the same opportunities based on their score over more experienced refs. And and then the next day, Zach Lowe comes out with the other side of it, which was just amazing, yeah. which was the NBA's, we don't agree with your methodology, and basically exposed it as, like, just trying to – you want to explain it? I don't even <laughs> – uh, I'll don't finish, even I'll finish it up. They basically <laughs> – they did the thing where that the, they got the full report of the game, and anything that was questionable, they oh. skewed it in favor of the Rockets – even if it said call unclear, they're like, well, no, that was a foul. There should have been two free throws there. That's 1.8 points for us. Oh, my goodness. Did, what if, Sam, what if you were the league office? Like, I'm sure this is not the first time the Rockets have done this. And you get an email like this. 
couple well, so, of years. I mean, you, you what know, would you, what would you, you know enough say? NBA people to know that petitioning the league office is a pretty common thing. Uh-huh. Maybe this is more detailed than others. I don't know. Correct. But the like, Warriors do it a bunch. The Warriors, everyone does it. Everyone's always kind uh-huh. of like, you know, whatever you're, you're just trying to get goodwill for your team in one way or another, yep. right? I mean, the Cavs petitioned to get Draymond suspended for multiple games. Yeah, that one worked. Yeah, yeah. multiple games, right? Yeah. yeah. They got only got one. one. They thought that was unfair. Yeah. Um, but you know, enough about that. Uh, you can go on Twitter where people are living in 2016 if you want that. That's all the stuff. time. By the way, all <laughs> this. Uh, this week after you don't watch Game of Thrones. My God, they just keep breaking. Anyway, um, it's just ridiculous. Like to to throw. Dude, I don't even care if those right or wrong. I guess there were some missed calls in game one. We we talked about it on the radio a lot. Well, they were. There's um, not even a not even a doubt in my mind they missed multiple calls on Clay. They missed multiple. My, but... my whole thing is I can play that game the reverse way where they miss calls on Steph. In fact, they missed a bunch on Steph in that game too. Mm-hmm. The the thing I have a problem with well, there's multiple problems with the Rockets here. <laughs> they seem to believe they don't have to play the game. They seem to think if they play the math, that's the only thing that matters. And that's not the case. We've all played basketball. Sometimes you get a ref who doesn't call anything and you have to adjust. Sometimes you get a ref who calls every ticky-tack thing. And sometimes you get something in the, in the middle. Yeah. yeah. The best players read the room and adjust to yep. the room. Like yep. who, who are the two best players in the NBA? Or two, it's probably Katie and, and LeBron. Both are able to adjust to officials on the fly. They're able to adjust to the defense on the fly. And that's like that's kind of why we love well, those type of players, right? I mean, there's other they, ones too. Every, every great player just plays through it. You know what I mean? Like Kobe. You think of Kobe. just play. Do you remember, do you think of any players, any great players that you think of and you think, hey, you know, they whined a lot about rest or they like made a bunch of excuses. This is literally what James Harden and the Rockets are doing. It starts at the top. Starts with Dale Morey, and then it ends with James Harden. Where after the press conference, he's coming out here and saying he needs a fair chance. Like you're li- you're literally sitting there and making excuses for yourself and whining and like begging for help to the media. Like LeBron, who we roast because he's always doing some passive aggressive stuff. He'll never do that, right? Even no, not him, at all. At least not that obvious. Or he'll do the he'll do what most players do, which is politic a point because they want to get an advantage um which i guess at the core is what the rockets are doing but i think what's more interesting is dude he was still hunting for that foul on the game winner when it was clear they weren't calling it like this is textbook man you were taught in basketball if you're not getting something adjust to as soon as possible like we glorify kobe for how smart he is to adjust to scenarios and win, even if it's ugly, but you kind of have to do what you have to do to win. I th- I feel like it should have been painfully obvious the way they were calling the game in the first quarter. Like, don't hunt that shot. Instead, he hunts it on the last play. And by the way, Draymond did not foul him on the last play. But like the fact that you would still go to that when it's clear you're not getting that whistle that night just tells me you will never win a championship. <laughs> it tells you that they don't want to change. They don't want to adjust. And he seems like he's content. He's content with that process, right? The process being he's going to do whatever he wants because he thinks it's the right thing to do and doesn't care about the result. And if that's the case, he's never going to win. 
Could like, you see, that hasn't worked so far. Let's forget Kerr. Could you see Pop, Phil, or any other great coach being okay? With, like, when they see something's not working in the first quarter, just continually going to it? Or do they adjust? Like, okay, you you're not comparing get, it to Mike D'Antoni right now? or No, I'm just talking. I mean, it, it doesn't matter with the Rockets because it's like which specific person because it's just organizational. Like, I, I think it's it's Daryl Morey, honestly. It starts at the top and permeates yep. down. But, like, what I'm saying is could you see a Spurs team hunting something that they couldn't get in the first quarter into the fourth like that? No, they just kind of adjust to the way the defense and the refs are playing them, right? Yeah, I mean, most teams would. Like, it's, I think it's just a common thing that people do because they want to win the game. The Rockets don't seem like they want to win. They want to win doing it their way. Like it's it's like you, they have, there's they no context. Win it, they want to win an reports. idea battle. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. It's like, dude, you're down one zero. You're da- you're now down one zero. Well, now they're down like, two zero. But yes, we're we'll, yeah. We'll now start they're down two zero. Exactly. And and now what are you gonna do? Like you're gonna keep whining. You're gonna keep doing this. Like Sam, do you think anything has changed since then? Like have they have they really? Ch- and, and it's too late, right? James Harden is not gonna change the way he plays now. It's too long into his career. But it's like. Do you keep wanting to make these? And here's the other thing that I, I'm really uh, that I want to stress: Daryl Morey has no way of knowing how to deal with people on a people level. Like you can't just say all these things about human beings, about the refs, about the NBA, and expect it. You think the NBA is all going to? You know what, Daryl? You're right. We were wrong this whole time. Why don't we start roughing it the way that you want? Like, what does he actually expect by dealing with people this way? It's just really a very tactless way to deal with human beings and in, in business. And it's like, where do you? I've never seen anybody do this. I, I guess Rich Paul, when the when the Lakers, but it's kind of it's kind of backfired when he when it's not LeBron because he can do it <laughs> with LeBron because LeBron has the yep. power, but yep. it hasn't worked with other players. Um, it didn't work. What I was going to say is Windhorse had a piece before game two where he basically said, this is all a distraction from the fact that Harden's been slumping and Maury's just trying to smoke and mirrors it, which I kind of buy. I mean, I we both agree this was him <laughs> trying to get a competitive advantage. He thought by making this public, it was going to, you know, it was going to help his team, even if it wasn't like, you know, the... I guess like most honorable way to do it. Like who cares if you get an advantage, you get an advantage, right? (laughs) Um, My my thing is exactly what you said. I think how you don't understand that coming public with this would breed more resentment for your team is beyond me. Yeah. You think, you think that players like James Harden, dude, like Winhurst has said many times. So this is not like sources or anything like that. Like Winhurst has said many times that players don't like James Harden. Like this is this is not a uh, uncommon thing around the NBA. Like, what do you think players were saying, Sam, when Harden sat on the press conference and said, "Well, I just want a fair chance." By the way, a guy who has shot three times more free throws than anybody else in the league. I, th- I think eye rolls. I think um, the the impression I get is everyone respects his skill level, and they respect the fact that he can do that. But then mm-hmm. like, it's also kind of like, dude, everyone grew up playing hoop, and it's kind of like. You don't need to resort to that as much, you know. Yeah. Like just yeah. play straight. You can beat guys playing straight up. You don't have to do that, man. Yeah. It's not even like an unwritten rule or anything like that. It's not even that deep, dude. It's like, 
James Harden really is one of the best players in the league, man. Like, yesterday, we were there. He didn't flop that much last night. And he was hooping. Like, he had 29 points. And he shot, you know, almost 50% in the field, which he has not yet done in the postseason. He was out there balling. I have a Harden take for you. I think he is not a top-five scorer, but I think he's maybe the second-best playmaker. Like, I think we think of him as a scorer more than as a playmaker. I think the fact that he literally takes two different types of shots kind well, of limits. average like 35 points. I know, but he has the ball in his hands the whole time. And like, really it, it's, it's the same thing as LeBron. LeBron um, is better in every way than, than Harden, but like you know, no one's comparing Harden to LeBron, so that's not a big deal. What I was saying is like, you know, LeBron can score 30 points a game, but he's still by default playmaking is probably the more definable skill. I view Harden that way too. Like Harden can hit that step back. He can get to the rim. He can get to the free throw line at will, but he's not a guy who's going to get you buckets in unorthodox ways, which is how I define a scorer. But what is real special skill is the fact that like he can put pressure on a defense and he can make passes. I mean, he's just a playmaker, man, is really what it is. All right, well, I want to bring you to the Warriors while you make that point um, because the Warriors are taking away that playmaking right now. Like, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant are absolutely taking that away. Like, I think, what, Harden shot uh, good last game, but not very well the first game. But he's not getting lobs to Capella, not as much as he's used to. You watch that Utah series, right? Oh, my God. Draymond's defense on Capella has me like, bro, super max. I mean, I mean, we don't need to go down the contract thing, but like he looks like the absolute Super best max. version of Draymond. <laughs> Did you want to trade him for Fournier, man? That was you, by the way. No, I never. We said need a formal Evan, apology. I never said Evan Fournier. Relax. Uh, uh, um, what do you have I to did, say for yourself? I did toy with the idea that maybe they should, you know, consider their options if Katie leaves. Um. But when he plays like this, like, man, I mean, when he plays center on defense and plays as hard as he does in the playoffs, he's a top 10 player. He just is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the weird thing that I'm having a hard time coming to grips with is this might be who Draymond is, the guy who gives you C-plus effort in the regular season and then just turns it on in the playoffs. Like, that might be yeah. who he is for this next phase of his career. Uh, because the way, because like the job he does is so physically taxing. Yeah. Um, because in in my mind, you and I probably both think of it like we'll always think of like 2016 as peak Steph and peak Draymond, right? And you're always gonna kind of like yearn for that game in game out intensity, but it's never you gonna just can't happen. Can't do it, then. man. It's, yeah, it's it's not possible. Some people ask like, why does Draymond do this in regular season? The easiest answer is like, why why? You expect him to play like this for 82 games? He's not gonna make it through 82 games, man. Like he'll 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 break something. He'll tear something. You can't play like this for eighty two games. He's yeah, not. I mean, you can when, you can when you're twenty five. But yeah, yeah exactly. that, that's the point. You know, it's and I guess it, we should have. You always know it's coming, but it's still kind of like jarring when you see it. You know, because it kind of sucks watching a game in December and watching like Aaron Gordon tear him up, and I'm like, dude. Come on, man. Well, you know, I, I'm Draymond Green is my favorite player on the team besides Steph. I, mean, um, I, 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 I like him more than Steph. So, <laughs> I that I didn't know. Love that. Um, but it, it's it's hard, man. And and the thing is, you know, if KD leaves, then it, it gets tougher because 
Draymond can't play that way. If he can't play that way in the regular season, then it's even tougher to win games, right? We won't go down the road now, but here's the thing about Draymond. IQ doesn't change no matter how old you are. Look at Andre Godala. So we can segue into that. He's 35. Andre Godala is incredible right now. He's exactly doing what Draymond is doing, where they only need to do play like this for 16 games. And the IQ doesn't leave, man. Like when Draymond, there's like 50 breakdowns that I've been reading right. about how he's playing like the drive and the, the lob at the same time. Like that's IQ. I mean, it's great footwork. He's quick, but that's IQ. And nobody in the league well, has it, IQ. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you can – good luck teaching that skill. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you think you can teach Jordan Bell that, right? Like it's really the main reason why Jordan Bell can't play. Like he just – he doesn't know how to play the ball. Like Draymond knew how to play basketball the moment he entered the league. Nobody taught him that. I think brought it like the Warriors got lucky. I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm still optimistic on Jordan Bell, but yes, there's a, there's a gap between Draymond and Jordan Bell. <laughs> well, Kevon Looney is the is the perfect in between, because Kevon Looney smart, really smart, um, but then he just can't move. Um, so, but. I, I just think Draymond starting and by the way last week we, we talked a lot about Steve Kerr Sam so we now we're, we're we're apology tour right now Steve Kerr's been amazing I mean I'm the, deleting the first last, I'm deleting last week's episode it never <laughs> happened we, we took a week hiatus um yeah man it, I mean you get emotional sometimes <laughs> that was a great it was a great podcast and now now it's a great time I think since then the Warriors have won game six they won the first two games of the series Steve Kerr did not mess around Started Deathline twice was, already. He gave us exactly what we wanted, which was not messing around. Just it's not that hard. It's not that hard. I think I think all our criticisms of the Warriors have always been like the arrogance in terms of like, dude, you're you're hiding your best lineup. Just just do it. Come on, you know, like or like little, you know, like come on, KD, Steph, pick and roll. Like this works. Let's let's run that play. No, we're gonna have Steph back screening for Looney instead. You know, like. <laughs> That's where we get annoyed. And that's kind of why this Rockets, um, particularly game two, uh, might have been the most enjoyable game of the season for me. Yes. Uh, because yep. they came out with that intensity from the tip. It, it's not like the Rockets played poorly. They were in it. But um, they just – it was that intensity that we just don't ever see, basically. Yeah. And I think they it does – should have won by more. I do think it starts with Kerr showing urgency – so when when he shows urgency, the team shows urgency, and when the Warriors play with urgency, you know it's it's everything we lose. love to see, right? They're not well, even if they're they lose, lose, it's what lose. we want to watch. It's we yep. hate watching them not play with urgency and then throw a game away. Um, they were up by fifteen, I think. They even pushed it up to seventeen at times. That that was a game that was, but it got down to uh, three or four in the fourth. Yeah, but I, I think you never thought that we're going to lose. No, um, you're, you're right. But, I mean, like the that. reality was um, the Rockets did get it pretty close. The, the, here's that because I want to talk about the Warriors. They're not playing that great. Like, game two was enjoyable and they played very well. But, like, that wasn't like a Warriors 20-game blowout. Here's the thing about the Warriors. No, they played very old. hard. They didn't play Houston. well. Yeah, They still have a blowout game left. Like, that's what happens with the Warriors in every series. Like, they blow a team out by 20, 30 points. That has yet to happen. I thought it was going to happen last night. Uh, I thought it was very close. Austin Rivers kind of saved them a few times. And uh, James Harden saved them a few times. But I think it's coming. Like, one the of these blind, blowout games. The blind man? 
Yeah, by the way, he just sat out. By the way, Steph won games when he was blind. Steph won. Steph played his career he was blind, remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so I, let, I, it's coming. Let's dig into it. Um, so kind of since that game two against the Clippers where KD was terrible and they said, I'm Kevin Durant, um, he's been on a tear. And at the same time, Steph and Clay have been kind of subdued. So mm. we should talk about that. But uh, do you want to start with KD or do you want to start with Steph? Uh, let's start with Steph. People want to, people are gonna people give the people what they want. Um, I think I think Steph looks fine physically. Um, I don't think he's a hundred percent healthy, so we'll start with that caveat. But I think he's never played a bad game when he's healthy. <laughs> Come on, you talk to me. You know how this is gonna go, Sam. <laughs> uh, I do think that he's he's understanding that the best way right now is for the offense and the team to go through Kevin Durant to win. And I think he's comfortable stepping back, and that's why he's not shooting that much. And if he's not shooting that much, like we always say every week, he needs the ball in his hands to get in rhythm. He's the greatest shooter of all time. But he still needs the ball to get in rhythm, and he doesn't have that right now. And so he's shooting a little bit worse. He's not shooting as much. But here's the other thing people don't understand is that he's still getting guys open. Andre Iguodala leads the league, the postseason in dunks right now. You know why? Because people are doubling Steph, and then he gets it to Draymond, who gets it to Iguodala. Or just every time he screens screens for KD. Actually, something the Rockets were doing in Game 2 that I didn't notice them doing previously in Game 1 was – they were fighting. They knew when Steph was going to screen, and they were trying to hold him to go away from the screen. Like they were actively fighting because they knew the minute he commits to the screen, they're like, "What do we do here?" Because if we don't jump at him, KD will pass yep. to him and gets an open shot. Yep. Um, but you know, if we do jump at him, KD has a lane, and good luck stopping that. You know, so they were they were they were fighting really hard to just deny the the screen from even getting set. Which looks like exactly. And that's the other thing is the Rockets are playing like really hard, which they never do um, on defense during the regular season. They don't have that switch, so you can see them tire out on the other hand. So I do Daniel House is <clears throat> Daniel House, by the way, the fact that they didn't sign Trevor Reza because of money reasons is coming back to bite them. Like I get that Daniel House is, could be just as good as a reason the regular I mean, Daniel season. House is a great find. Ugly right now. Daniel Ugly House is right a now. great find in context of what he is, but like you don't want to be depending on that. You want to you want to see him as like the find that's going to be like your nice eighth man, right? Well, like it's it's like the equivalent of this is if Joe Lacob didn't want to pay Andre Iguodala sixteen mil or eighteen mil, whatever he got, and then now McKinney's starting every game. Like that is right. the literal equivalent. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's actually a really good point. It's McKin- and McKinney can play for the Warriors in the regular season, yeah. like most of the time, and they'll be fine because they have so many good players, and he'll, you know, he'll fill the energy gap. But you, you don't want to be depending on McKinney in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, not great. I think uh, so. If Capella's got unplayable, then you have House is unplayable. The Warriors are just they, they have too many players. I, I think, and there's a the thing, dude. Their bench sucks. The Warriors are getting tr- roasted. When they throw those those bench lineups, well, neither too. neither team got unplayable guys. Both teams have six guys they trust, and then it's just kind of like, who can buy me four minutes? You know, like in game two, it was Jarebko for a few <laughs> minutes. It was just like, 
how many minutes can he buy me? It's essentially what they're doing. You know, game one, it was McKinney. Maybe game three, it'll be Cook. I don't know. But it's you, you, you can tell the intention is mostly, I just want to see if I can get like four to five good minutes here so I don't have to play my starters 45 minutes. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an NBA Finals out there right now. Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. Oh, what do you think about Steph? Because we didn't get to hear you uh, talk about it. Yeah, I, I think he's willingly taking a step back and playing the team game. In some ways, it reminds me of Dwayne Wade with LeBron, mm. where I mean, Wade knew he could get his own shot and you know try to take over, but he knew it was better for the team if he didn't. That's kind of what I'm seeing with Steph. Maybe it's injuries, somewhat schematic. There's a lot of things it could be, but it's working. And, as long as they keep winning, yep. And that's all that matters. Um, he was 3 for 13 from 3 last night. So, I mean, all it really takes is him to get a little hotter. And yep. we know he's not going to be shy about just continuing to put it up. Like, really, if he goes seven, if he goes 6 for 13, which is pretty much his career average, Game's over. Well, honestly, if he shoots, a yeah, it's a blowout. Yeah, it's a blowout, and then it's a different game. Yep. So, but it is what it is. Well, I think the thing about Steph that you you know you always know is, I'm sure there's people that are telling him that you should shoot more, right? Or this is your team. What are you doing? Why are you stepping back? End of the day, Steph, unlike everyone else, is just gonna say, dude, as long as we win, I really don't care. Like, if he cared, he wouldn't have wanted Katie to be here in the first place. Like, if Katie wanted to stay five more years. You know, and he was happy, and he was like, "Hey, this is he thinks it's his team." Like Steph is going to be happy with that because if KD's going to stay five more years, that's like at least another championship or two. So, I think he just cares more about winning. Like he truly, care. everybody says they care about winning, right? James Harden says he cares about winning, but does he care about winning the same way that Steph does? I don't think so. Like the way that Steph cares about winning is beyond. Like I, I don't think Kevin Durant cares about winning the way that Steph does. To be completely honest, right? There's just no. Really, nobody. There's a lot there of sa- there's a lot of sacrifice involved in the fact that you know you can individually Correct, yep. do more, but you're willing to. Like I said, KD is playing like the best player in the world. He is the best player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, but he is. He's not going to get a better chance to attack a defense than when Steph sets a screen for him. Like I mean advantageous wise running an action with Steph and clay makes the game a lot easier for him in a way that, you know, it's, I mean, I guess LeBron had it with Cleveland where they, you know, loaded up on all those shooters and it just let him go one-on-one in the post and no one's going to be able to stop him one-on-one in the post. And he got all the glory from it. But like the reality is when he got like Corver, George Hill and all these guys just like spacing, like, What's a defense really going to do? Because they know you can make that pass to the corner if they send a, a second guy at you. Yeah. It's the same kind of concept, yeah. except KD's more of a scorer. So the way the Warriors are doing it makes more sense for his game. The way the Cavs did it with LeBron made more sense for his game. Well, um, you know, KD, KD can play off ball too. You know, LeBron can yeah. play off ball. You know, so. Well, it's oh, just a walk off. It's just oh, kind look of. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. Look at my Giants. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Let's get into some of these questions. Well, let's talk KD first. Yep. Do you think the um, – so a question we got a few times was, do you think kind of the way he's showing out, the way the conversation's changing, 
and what appears to be a good vibe around the Warriors, like puts it back in play that he maybe returns. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to ask that. I didn't think we we're going to go there today. So yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but it's like, it's an overarching theme. Like it's, when you is. see, when you see good vibes around the Warriors, you, you start thinking, Maybe 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 he's not going to New York. Okay, so the Warriors marketing pitch here as to, so so I think we're both under the assumption that while Kevin Durant and the Knicks have talked and he does want to go there, it is not a done necessarily a done deal yet. Not a hundred percent done. Okay, so if we operate under I'd that agree assumption with that. right, that the Warriors still have a pitch to make and the pitch is being made right now is that, Hey, they're probably saying what you said, right? It's like, Hey, Steph is sacrificing. He's still better than what D Wade's going to be. D Wade was washed up, right? Steph is not going to be washed up next year. He's still going to be great for at least the next two to three years. Um, so you're still going to be contending for championships, but Durant, you're going to be the guy. Like you might not be the most loved guy here, but you're going to be the guy. You're going to be the LeBron, so to speak. I guess if that's the pitch, like, why wouldn't he be happy about it? I, I see no reason why not. And isn't it isn't it really just Kevin Durant though to just be? I don't want to say easily convinced, but to like see that and be sold on something like that, right? Like that wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Um, I still don't think he's staying, but the way this particular postseason is going, I think he was unhappy last postseason because. Uh, because he got he got railed on a little bit by Warriors fans and media because after that Houston series about how he isolated a lot, dude, right? Like, I think this postseason, yeah. the success that's coming with him being the main point, the main focal guy, I mean, he is probably happy about that. And let's say Kyrie doesn't want to go to New York. Does he really want to go to New York by himself? Like, what's the point of that? So well, I, I, I think it's um, it's human nature if you're not fulfilled – or you, you you know you're not all in. In January, it's very easy to be like, man, I'm gonna make my own team in New York, and it's gonna be so much better than this. And I'm gonna get this guy, and I'm gonna get that guy, and you know everyone's <laughs> gonna see what I can do. And then you get into May, and you're playing in the basketball that really matters because yeah. the reality is this team, nothing they do in the regular season will ever matter again as long as they have this roster. Um and you're kind of seeing the way the conversation shifts. And then you kind of realize, you know, like, Oh, Kyrie has a good thing going on in Boston. He might not leave. And, you know, I have a good thing here and we're winning. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you start second guessing everything. Do I think anything's made up? No, but you know, it's, it, it seems rational, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, last week we were talking about firing Kerr, uh, Kevin Durant leaving. This week, whew, Kerr out coach. Rebuilding. Tony, we were rebuilding every, last week. They were. They were. Draymond was gone. And now the Warriors, <laughs> Kevin Durant, five five years. Five-year max. I think you're right, though. I, I think – and Katie's a type of guy. And Kyrie, too, right? Kyrie, by the way, the Celtics are 1-1, so they have home court advantage now. They had a great game one. But I think – like they're both the type of players that have like are pretty whimsical where they'll like make decisions, not really on the fly, but they're like willing to listen. And it's not like LeBron, like LeBron just kind of do what he's going to do, man. Like you knew he was going to no, go to I, LA. I actually think LeBron's the same thing too, but it's kind of, um, I don't know. He he's, seems he's more, more, he's, he's more controlled with what gets out there for sure. 
<laughs> LeBron Aganda, the great LeBron. Um, jump. Should we get to mailbag or, or what, do you want to talk more? Yeah, let's get to mailbag. Um, to end like that, 30 questions. To end that, to end that conversation, it's, um, I think it's also easier for your mind to drift when everything is always kind of about free agency, you know? Yeah. So that, that kind of fuels some of it too, but okay. There's no, there's like, there's nothing like I'm sure as Kevin Durant, who's like 100% into basketball, there's probably nothing more happy than like playing basketball games like this that matter. And then people are like Steve Kerr's comparing him to MJ, right? Like people are comparing him to like, like great players and he's playing clutch coming up big. Like there's probably nothing better than this. Like in his life, because he nah, he doesn't have kids. He's not like Steph and Iguodala and some of these guys. Actually, everybody on the Warriors has kids besides Clay. <laughs> I think and KD and, and and KD, right? So like this is like this is probably the high right here for for Durant. And so you know, well, and I, I think, think we Lake, do, Lake I think we do underrate the, the fact that um, the fact that the regular season is meaningless for them because they know there's nothing they can do in the regular season that's gonna like. No one's going to be like, oh, wow, KD had eight straight games where he did something cool in January. Like, that's yeah. super sick, you know? It's not It's like, it's like. not going to get that kind of praise. Like, he's going to be judged on the playoffs only. So that makes the regular season even harder to deal with. Yeah. And that goes for all of them. Some of, and everyone deals with it differently. <sighs> all right, I'll start the mailbag from East Bay Killers. Oh. Loyal listener. One of my favorites. Um, do you think Houston now and presumably a weaker Western Conference Finals will be better or worse for the Warriors in the finals? Ooh. Love this question. You wanna go? Um yeah, sure. I don't know that it fully matters. Um <laughs> it's the way they've handled Houston so far, so I think Houston's probably gonna get one game in Houston at minimum. Um, I would be shocked if the Warriors swept them. Uh, Houston, they're just going to get hot one game. Yeah. Um, I guess the only they got pretty hot game too, but yeah, that's right. true. So I, I'm sweeps, but anyway, none of that matters. Um, what I was going to say is, it does seem like it's benefited the Warriors playing Houston now because it's kind of brought the peak Warriorsness out of them for once. Um, but I don't know that you know playing Portland or Denver next round isn't yeah. going to get them to just fall back asleep. You think they will, or you think they won't, or you think it doesn't matter? I think they might, but I think they've yeah. shown enough that they can flip the switch that I don't necessarily worry either way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the that's the right the right answer. I think it's just at this point, it's like they'll flip the switch mid series if they need to. Which is, you know, frustrating as a fan, but the Warriors know that they can do it, so they're arrogant enough to do it. Like, I bet you that they, like, the war- the Rockets are favorite game three by four points. Like, wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors lost by 20. Like, classic Warriors blowout. And then they'll win game four by, like, 15. And then it'll be 3-1 to close it out at home in five. It'd be, like, a very classic Warriors series finish. But it's like there's no reason for them to come up for, you know, Denver or Portland. Just watch the game tonight. There's I'm watching, and I'm just like, these are not Western Conference Finals teams. Like, Hey, Dame is great, and Dame and Oakland is going to be fantastic. They're going to get the shit kicked out of them. Like, hey, Jokic has been playing well. <laughs> Jokic is going to get run off the floor, and Dinas Cantor is going to get absolutely annihilated. Like, neither of those teams are a problem, and the Warriors know that. 
Um, and so you're really looking ahead here. And the E-Series, like, they, both of those game series look like they're going at least sixth or seventh. Like, and then they got to play each other, right? Whoever's coming out of the East is going to be exhausted. Like, I don't know if Kyrie's even going to make it through the postseason. Like, and then you talk about Embiid, who's already worn down. Uh, Giannis, right? But do we believe in Giannis's supporting cast? We don't. So, really, the Warriors get through this Houston series. They're you coasting need, you to need the finals. Toronto. But, yeah. I saw, yeah, I didn't mention Toronto, but I'm also not worried about Pascal Siakam in a in a series that matters. He had a great game one, but like that's someone where it's just like, I mean, fine. Did you see Kyle Lowry try to nutmeg someone on the game down by three with like 30 seconds? What the fuck is he thinking? <laughs> it's like that's the kind of. I actually like, I like that because <laughs> he's aggressive. You're okay yes, with it? Yeah, like yeah. I've been waiting for Lowry to do something aggressive for a while. <laughs> um, you want to go to the next question? This one I thought. I saw you do the virus season. Are you going to read that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this guy, whoever this guy is, he's been like tweeting us some really funny stuff. Um, seems like a new listener, but I guess you're going to read this one out. This one, this one's to Sam on a scale of one to Andy. <laughs> how much blame would you ascribe yourself for breaking up the Dunn's dynasty? <laughs> um, you know, people, you know, there might, there may or may not be players that listen to the podcast, Sam. There may or may not be players. It's pretty cool. Quinn Cook. Shout out Quinn <laughs> Cook. Great, great backup point guard. Ten-year player in this league. Um, I, don't know um, why I, I don't know why I always default to him. I, uh, I just like him as a player. So. You look like Quinn Cook as a I, – I think I like – I would want Quinn Cook to play more than like 10 minutes in the regular season, but then the postseason comes along and I just get really frustrated every time I watch him play. It's not his fault. It's just like man. I mean, it's, it's not his fault. Weird. He's five eleven. So yeah, it's it's rough out there for 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 it's the postseason really is a lot different. Like there are players that are literally like unplayable. Uh, we talked about this. Shout out Bob Myers. Yeah, we it was last week. Okay, so we talked about this. We won't we won't rehash it. Um, I don't I think do, I'm that I do, bad. I do actually think um, on the postseason topic. Before we get back to it the more we get into trying to exploit analytic edges in the regular season, the farther apart the regular season gets from the playoffs. Because, like, you can get by in the regular season, you're like, oh, dude, just have Ilyasova jack up seven threes, and we're going to beat this team on a Tuesday, and it's going to work. But that's the type of stuff you can't do in the playoffs when, you know, you game plan for another team, and all of a sudden it's like, well, all he can really do is hit corner threes. I knew you would bring it back to your fucking Celtics. I knew you would find a way. I knew you would find a way. Shout out Tatum mid-range jumpers. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, KD's mid-range jumper is a thing of beauty. It is truly unstoppable. Um, and it's like, I, I agree with you on this point where it's, you know, people are saying it's inefficient, it's not a good shot, but it's like, dude, it, postseason – Game comes, it's a three-point game, one-possession game, whatever it is. You get the shot that you can make. Like, and a, a mid-range jump shot, like, it might be... Particularly like against defenses who are willing to give it to you. Because yep. everyone's trying to close out the three and protect the rim. There's a little extra space in there if you're good at it. Particularly if, if, you're, yep. if you're tall. If you got length, like, it's, I mean, no one's contesting KD. No. No. And, and the, he... Kate, smart guy. Kitty is a really smart basketball player. I don't think I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think he's so great. Well, that you know what it is? We only we, we ascribe intelligence to players who are either athletically limited or pass first. 
that's always like how we ascribe athleticism. Dream, dream on green. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but it, it, it's always, you know, like Chris Paul. I don't know that Chris Paul's a smarter player than KD. No, um, no. I mean, KD's not. as smart as they come. He just, he's aware of how good he is and calling his own number is often the best play. By the way, Chris Paul just, but this is the, uh, isn't he the head of like player? I don't know. He's like the head of the players union or something. He's the one that's still mocking the refs uh, and like jumping up and down when he gets a call. And then he's like throwing elbows at Draymond after Draymond dunks on him. How are you this petulant? 33 years old. And you're supposed to be an example. Like, how are you this petulant? It's, I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, it's childish. Um, let, let, let me go. Somebody asked somebody asked us to compare Warriors to Game of Thrones characters. Sam's not a Game of Thrones guy. So I'll, let you, to... I'll let you go if you want to go. Nah. Good episode, though. Um, Urkel 9. The, the famed Urkel 9. Um, bigger Steph stand than, than I, I think, than you and I combined. Steph has had a relatively sto- slow start. Could this be leading up to a strong finish? Um, I think it's really just shooting. Like, I think Kevin Durant is content with if Steph is hot, get him the ball. I think after game one, he was pre-amped when Steph hit that dagger shot. The problem is it takes Steph a while in the postseason to get heated up like that just because they just take the ball out of his hands no matter what. But I think it's coming in Houston. I think he'll have like a 30, 40-point game in Houston. Um, and then things are going to be a lot easier in the Western Conference Finals. And then, you know, we'll talk about the finals when it gets there. But he'll be better. Um, that dislocated finger, a little worried. You were, ye- you were, show- you were. I was sitting near you yesterday. By the way, Sam's season tickets, incredible. Um, I was sitting right <laughs> next to him, and I walk up, and I'm walking back after I get a beer, and Sam's like pointing to his ring finger at me, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Why are you flipping me off?" <laughs> uh, I'm like, "What is going on?" And then I look on the corner, I'm like, "Oh boy, Steph is gone." I'm like, what's going on? And you're like, "Oh, you like dislocated his finger," and I was like, "Oh boy," but Steph. Plays through an injury, Sam, instead of uh, making excuses for it. Um, yeah, he didn't make excuses, so it wasn't a serious injury, <laughs> um, as opposed to being blinded and <laughs> wearing a cast. And I don't know. Um, from Anthony Canton, friend of the show, uh, watching the East playoffs, which team currently scares you the most in the finals? Oh, God. I guess, I mean, paraphrasing it which you know rank the eastern conference teams in terms of hardest to easiest matchup for the Warriors uh the easiest are the Sixers uh because Embiid is hurt the third team I would say terrible depth yeah yeah I mean it's like I'm I'm generally a depth is overrated guy but like you you can't have your sixth man be Jonah Bolden like, give me a little Bolden. better than that. You know? Shouts to Jonah Bolden. Did he play Gonzaga? Is that? I don't even remember. I don't know. Um, but that'd be my fourth-ranked team. And then I, I would go with the uh, the the Raptors as the one, the third-ranked uh, that I'm not worried about. I just don't see it from Lowry and Siakam. And then you're going to – you're gonna. I can't believe this, dude. The second team is the, the Bucks, and then the Celtics are the first. Kyrie's too good. He had a terrible game too, but I think that it's funny because I I looked at the numbers just to make sure I wasn't crazy. And 
yeah, the Bucks blew him out in the third quarter when it was the only quarter the Bucks got the tempo going like super fast, which is basically what it comes down to. But if Boston slows it down, they're a nightmare. I I just and that's the secret to being the Warriors, and I just think that. Of all the players that can outplay Steph for KD in crunch time, they have that one guy, and uh, that's just worrisome. I'm not worried about Giannis beating any of those guys in crunch time, but Kyrie's a problem, man. And so I'll go with the Celtics. Begrudgingly, I'll go with the Celtics. They have the wings. They have the coaching. They just, they're a problematic team. I just don't know if they'll get past the The mutual admiration between Kerr and Stevens, if they met in the finals, might be enough to make KD and Kyrie want to leave. Like, I can't deal with this. Um, I would I would put Toronto above um, Milwaukee in terms of um, there's you know Kawhi is a problem Gasol like I mean they they have a really nice team I think they'd be a tougher challenge in Milwaukee I think Milwaukee would get swept you think you think that no well I agree with you they probably get beat pretty easily yeah. or five games they, yeah they get they get beat because KD's KD's going to go at Giannis. Uh, best player in the world, man on the line. He's I don't think it matters. I think, I think Draymond's going to guard him. I think Draymond can stop him from getting to the rim, and then it just becomes him like shooting eight-footers, which like you, you'll just live with that. Yeah. Uh, do you have another one? Um, okay, from Doug Tyler, who's a friend of the show. I was just reading this. Nice. I'm going to game three in Houston. How confident should we be in game three? How can I best troll Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy Harden and Cliff Paul? Um, confidence? I think, I mean, it's clearly a must win for Houston, so I expect them to come out with their best stuff. Um, it should be a good game, but let's let's focus on the better part of the question. How does he <laughs> troll them? <laughs> Uh, he's going to be at the game. How's he going to troll them? Boy, I saw someone, uh, I saw someone heckle him. I think he was sitting next to us and he was saying, uh, he kept screaming like, I forget what he was screaming. Something along like, something along the lines of like, Harden, you're fine. After every single whistle, it was like, he just kept, I don't know what he was saying, but it was great. (laughs) I might have not remembered, to be honest. It was a long night. Um, But, I don't know. <laughs> wear question. Doug wear a referee's jersey, <laughs> and just and have a whistle, and just and just every time the Rockets do something, whistle. I don't know if you can uh, wear. I don't know if you could bring a whistle. Yeah, in, the ref jersey is amazing. But dude, that's do amazing. The, do do the ref jersey. Dude, you should have taken that answer. That's awesome. <laughs> wearing a ref jersey. You know how you know how in baseball where they have like sometimes they'll have like two guys wearing um clothes in the background and they'll like you know copy what the ump does like that's what they should do they should get like baseline tickets or something he's that's what you should do and just wear a rough jersey and just like start making calls that's amazing well done yeah <laughs> um we got one maybe a couple more here uh, as i'm looking through it uh from bad boys 861 do you need an intern sam also, ne- how ne- much are your points on <laughs> what next season? <laughs> also, how much are your points on KD and locker room morale is based off Ethan versus your own inside sources? Thanks. No, comments. Sammy, can you review your sources? Shut up. Um, 
Well, so let's talk through this because inevitably, if Katie leaves or stays, there's going to be a memorandum on like on sourcing. Um, I kind of feel like what I have a problem with is people not taking the stuff that's leaked as being based in anything. Like there are people around the Warriors and around KD who think he's leaving. And that's where it's all coming from. Correct? Yep. Which is to say, even if he decides to stay, the thought had been there in a way that it wasn't with, let's just say Clay Thompson, right? People kind of assume Clay's staying because his intention is to stay. Whereas with KD, the thought has been his intention is to leave. And, you know, if he stays, it's it's a surprise. But, you know, it doesn't mean that people's sourcing was in, inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think things change. And so just because of what happens, you know, a few months from now does not change what was being told and how someone was feeling uh, seven months before that. So, um and a lot of the stuff that, you know, you see and you hear and we know, like, a lot of the stuff is thrown out there already by people. Like, I guess I wouldn't say Rick Buecher is actually someone you should trust, but, like, people know things. Stephen A. Smith, like, there are people that reported a lot of these things. Why would they say this stuff if they weren't sourced correctly? Like, most of the time, people are, like, close friends with either the players, the agents. Like, it's not – it's, like, people think that media just want to, you know, say this stuff to, to be famous. But it's like, man, these guys are – there's really no reason to do that, um, but we'll move on. Do you have any other ones? We'll, we'll end with this one. Friend of the show, Damon Rangula. Uh, um, is it Damon and not Damon? Shoot. You're racist. Oh, um, God damn will, it. Will your apology to Kevin Durant for the way you treated him <laughs> just be done on the podcast, or will you record a video as well? Andy? Listen, I will get a press credential and I will go up to him at Chase Earner and shake his hand and say, hey, thank you for three championships and five more after signing that extension. All right. I will yeah, do go that. Go set some screens for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll go, and I'll stop fucking shooting so Steph can actually shoot the ball and, and get more credit for this shit. Um, you're, a mon- uh, you're a monster. Uh, it would be a great day if uh, if uh, I, I bet you KD, if he does resign, is going to check and see what people's reactions are to him. And I'm sure that I, along as you, are some of those people. Don't we sound really egotistical when we say stuff like this? But hey. I mean, I'm true. not saying it. You're the one who's saying it. <laughs> KD, after he resigns to be a warrior for life, is going to check my timeline and see my reaction to it. And guess what? I'll be celebrating. Gonna, it's gonna be like winning another title. You're gonna be putting up four thousand laughing, crying face emojis while people freak out that the NBA is ruined again. Oh God, can you imagine the timeline if 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 he resigns for the max? Um, Twenty sixteen was great, but this is gonna be amazing because presumably the Warriors will be three time champs, four and five, <laughs> and if he resigns for five more, oh, the pitching on the timeline is gonna be amazing. The pitching on the timeline right now is already at, at ridiculous levels because of what Houston is doing. Um, imagine, it's only going to get imagine better. Imagine the level of whining. Oh. Anyway, we talked about that earlier. Let's let's get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, game three is Saturday. We are on the radio Sunday night. 
And then Monday we're going to do a live show at Next Door. So we'll be reacting to Game 4 live. Or not, right after the show. And so our next pod will be out next Tuesday. Perfect. All right, brother. I'll see you, man. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com